When I talk about the 1970s and Easy Street, what exactly do you picture? I'm almost certain it isn't two young women living in an apartment together with a 16-month-old baby living paycheck to paycheck. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be recounting the still unsolved murder of the two Sues on Easy Street. was 1977, and the place was Collingwood, a suburb of Melbourne, Australia. Two dear friends were living together in a quaint apartment. One, Susan Bartlett, was a school teacher. She taught at the high school level and taught arts and crafts. The other, Suzanne Armstrong, with who was a new mom to a little boy named Gregory Armstrong. Suzanne, who had traveled abroad to Naxos, Greece, had met a man while there, and together they had a beautiful baby boy. She had the option to stay behind, but decided that she would return to Australia when her son was three months old. They were trying to get married, but it didn't work out. Didn't work out. It was taking too long, and... It happens. It's a bummer. They weren't getting along that well. Yeah, that happens, too. That happens, too. So she kind of gave herself a fresh start. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Sue and Sue were dear friends from school, and they decided to kind of help each other in their roles and moved into the three-bedroom apartment-style home at 147 Easy Street. Now, easy is spelled with an extra E, so it's not exactly Easy Street, but that's definitely what it brings to mind for me, you know, like living on Easy Street sort of thing. Oh, I didn't know you were talking about for a second. Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought it was obvious, but... I have Sesame Street (laughs) I was singing the sunny day thing earlier, so, you know. So it was a long terrace-style home. It had a long center corridor, three bedrooms, and a back kitchen and bathroom. And it also kind of had this private little backyard, almost like a little garden in the back, which was cute. The girls had also just bought a small either German Shepherd or Labrador puppy. I think it was a mix. Okay, because I heard... Which would make it the cutest puppy. No, that would be so adorable. I kept seeing very distinct accounts on either side. So I was just like, I'm not sure which one it was, but it was a puppy. So I don't know. I like the idea. A large dog puppy. A large dog puppy. And I like the idea of it being a German Shepherd Labrador puppy mix. That's just what I'm picturing. Oh, precious. Mm, They're soft little ears. I'm going to squish them. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I love dogs. On January 10th in 1977, the two Sues had Susan's brother over and his girlfriend. Susan's brother was kind enough to help them set up some new hi-fi equipment. And hi-fi equipment is basically a type of stereo speaker. I distinctly recall the giant stereo system in my childhood home. I don't know if your parents had one too. And it was definitely like a 
leftover from the 1970s sort of thing. I think most of us 80 ba- 80s babies probably had... It had, like, um, Velcro where the speaker part was attached to the base Right, of exactly, it, exactly. It and get yelled at. Oh, my God, absolutely. Mine, um, the system itself... Had, it had the two standing speakers on either side, but the system itself had a pop door where if you press it, it yep. would pop out. And so I would just sit there and, and press it and relock it and <laughs> press it and relock <laughs> it, like obsessively. <laughs> I And if it were in front of me, I'd probably be doing that to it right now. So. We have one of those upstairs um, where we keep our DVDs in a case oh, like that. We'll be pressing it later. I, I know. Exactly. I'm going to go to your house and I'm just going to, you guys are going to be like doing some stuff and I'm just going to be sitting there pressing the button. So fun. You'll Love get it. yelled at. I, I probably will. <laughs> I probably will. Story of my life. Enough. <laughs> so after that setup was complete, the four watched some TV and then around 10 p.m. or so, uh, they made some future plans for a dinner date and Susan's brother and his girlfriend left for the night. Now, the next day, January 11th, Barry Woodward, who had been dating Suzanne Armstrong, called the girls home to speak with her. And he'd only been dating her for like two weeks. Yeah, it was a super short kind of time. But I heard somewhere or read somewhere that they were contemplating marriage already. I think they knew each other like they were friends prior to. Susan knew him. Oh, okay. Okay. See, the fact that they're both named Sue is a little confusing (laughs) for me. I have trouble with details. So Suzanne and Susan. Suzanne and Susan. I can do this. Okay, so yeah. And the next day, January 11th, Barry Woodward, as we mentioned, who'd been dating Suzanne, called the the girls home to speak to her. There was no answer. After repeated calls to the house on the 11th and the 12th, Barry made a trip over to the home alongside his brother. So on one of the things I read about this, it said he he went over to make sure he had the right phone number. That's how, like... Oh my god! How does I mean, like, what is it posted on their house? Yeah, that's that's weird. That's oh, maybe like he was knocking on the door, and if they were home, he was going to say, "Oh, I've been trying to call you, but I must have the wrong number." But then they weren't there. Stalker. Well, (laughs) it's a strong possibility. There's definitely some stalkers in this case. That's for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind the the whole. I don't know. We'll get into it. Hang on. Let me, let me just get you know, into it. Like jump ahead. Oof, man. So the brothers, you know, they, they poke their heads in, the unlocked door at the back, they gave a holler for either one of the girls. And when they didn't get a response, they took the time to kind of step into that back room, which is where the kitchen was, and leave a note. And then they left. Now, later that day, Ileana Stevens and Janet Powell found the Sue's puppy kind of just roaming around the neighborhood. So Ileana and Janet scooped up the puppy with the intention to return him to the Sue's, but when they also got no answer at the door, they too left a note. The note read, we have your dog, which was wandering around the street. You are obviously not home, so give us a yell and we'll return him promptly. Regards, Ileana, Janet. The 12th came and went. With the 13th rolling around, no one having and no one having come by to claim the dog, Ileana and Janet decided to investigate a little bit further. Also, they heard Gregory, the baby, yeah, screaming. whimpering and stuff and screaming. And, and he had been for like two days and yeah. no one, that wasn't, it wasn't unusual that he would be screaming, but right. they assumed, you know, he'd be, it would be addressed sooner or later. Right. And it had not been. It had not been at all. 
So they went back to 147 East A Street and knocked again. Still no answer. But this time they heard the whimpers and cries of baby Gregory very distinctly. And so they went around back and found an unlocked door just like Barry and his brother have. They ventured into the home and very quickly discovered the hallway soaked in blood surrounding the body of a woman on the floor. One of the women ran in, grabbed little Gregory from his cot, and then exited the home quickly to call the police. When the police arrived, they found the body in the hall belonged to Susan Bartlett. Susan had been stabbed 55 times. They went deeper into the home and found Suzanne Armstrong. She was in her bed, was undressed from the waist down, and had been raped. She was also stabbed 29 times. Based on what they were seeing, they felt there had to be a single killer. That killer likely entered through the unlocked window of the woman. It was assumed that because Suzanne appears to have been the first victim. As the killer stabbed Suzanne Armstrong, Susan Bartlett likely came to her aid, but was attacked by the killer and left to die in the hallway. She tried really hard to escape because there was blood all over, like, um, everywhere. Exactly. Like, Like, and she was obviously trying to get out. Like horror movie scene. Absolutely. Now, it appears that the rape of Suzanne Armstrong was done so post-mortem and the killer left semen behind, or so they think. So the semen was actually found on the bedding, not on Suzanne's body. Exactly. So it could have been there from some sort of previous sexual engagement, but... Let's hope she washed her sheets. Right. We'll see. So, I mean, they, they couldn't be certain, but it was believed that the Sioux were murdered on the night of the 10th, possibly very early in the morning on the 11th. That being said, little Gregory had been left alone to fend for himself since January 10th, and he wasn't found until three days later. So that's why he was... A long time ...whimpering and screaming. You yeah. know, any care, no food, water, not food, but like... Yeah. Yeah. Baby food. Well, he was six. Yeah. No, he was 16 months. So he would have been eating solids. He was over a year old. Yeah. Anyway, no nourishment. Right. So luckily he would survive. He was unharmed outside of some severe dehydration and hunger. The police found that the girl's bathroom was absolutely soaked in blood. And by the looks of it, the killer had attempted to clean himself up after he brutally murdered and assaulted the women. Upon deeper investigation, a knife was found by a near nearby railroad station. The blood on the knife was a match to the women. Well, technically, it was only the same blood type, and it was only not, the same blood type of, as one of them. Not the DNA. Right, yeah. because it was 1997. And no, 1970. That's what I meant, 1977. <laughs> yeah, not I, 1997. I saw the numbers correctly in my head, they just, they just come out properly. Sometimes that connection, <laughs> you know, it's lost, absolutely. 1977, so they didn't have the no. DNA technology, like, not even close right. to what we have now. Right, and it probably wouldn't have been in their minds to really hold on to the DNA technology either, but they, they do, DNA does come into play at some point later in this case. So the blood was a match to one was a match to one of the women, and in a drain near the home, there was a bloody washcloth that was found. Now, granted, it could have been anybody's bloody washcloth, I suppose, but what are the what is the reality that right. that was tossed into a drain near their home? 
So investigators had kind of an early idea that the killer could have escaped via the railroad, given its close proximity to the house and lack of eyewitnesses. That being said, this guy must have been soaked in blood. I mean, it, that's the only thing that I can think of. Right. So 29 and 55. That's a lot of someone. blood. And even if it was the middle of the night, when you get onto a train, the there train lights. there's lights. There's lights at the railroad station. So did he, like, strip off his clothes and have a change of clothes hidden somewhere? If not, where are the bloody clothes? Like, it, well, that's that seems crazy I'm to me. I'm not sure if we go into the neighbor, do we? Yeah. Okay, so then we'll come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. So there have been as many as 130 persons of interest in this case. Even with DNA, this case is unsolved. Because remember, there was that semen sample. Which they did collect. Yes. And they did hold and they were able to test. Yeah, well, they kind of held it. Probably a little early. Also, they didn't hold it properly. It was mislabeled, put in a different case file. So we don't even know if it's the actual sample. Right. Right. From the crime scene. Right. So something was tested. Something, yeah, something was definitely tested, you know, and and they've cleared a number of people based on that DNA sample. So I mean, even if it hadn't cleared someone, and it was taken to court, that would have been thrown out as, yeah, um, evidence, yeah, because of the mishandling of it. Oh my God, there was, yeah, absolutely. Now in 2017, so obviously a number of years after the murders happened. They went so far as to offer a $1 million reward for information that leads to an arrest of the killer. And there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, that we're 40 years post-murder sure. at this point. 2017? Sure. Right. I don't know what they're... I, yeah. I mean, it seems a little, like, too little, too late sort of thing right. almost. You don't want to offer that 40 years earlier? Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, it probably would have been, like, $100,000, but okay, still. Okay. Either way. Yeah. Now, the first person who was looked into, of course, was Barry, the boyfriend. I mean, who finds a silent house, an unlocked door, and doesn't go in all the way? He went in enough to write a note, but not enough to hear the baby cry or see a dead body in the hall covered with blood. I mean, it's, it's all so unlikely, but it also definitely speaks to... It speaks to the idea that men are, like, the most non-observant things <laughs> in the entire universe. Because I mean, just how like, do you not hear the baby crying, though? How do, I mean, like, unless the baby happened to be asleep in that split second. But you figure with all the banging he was doing on the door, it would... Right. It would... Inter- you know, exactly. I mean, like, back when Cozy was a baby, like, she would jump up at everything and make noise if it disrupted her. So, absolutely. Now... According to the DNA sample that they have and have used, he was cleared as one of the killers. And he was very torn up about Suzanne's death and, and all of that. Like, he was... You because know, they had been dating for two weeks. Yeah, I know. He was, he was really, really in, involved, really in love. So, yeah. Now, the second was Gregory's father. I mean, it, it honestly, it can't have been... Like, it couldn't have been easy on him... When his lover, Suzanne, had a child with him in Greece and then moves back to Australia and, like, a year later starts dating someone new and is already talking about marriage. I don't know how much contact they had, but it it was eventually proven that he had never stepped foot on Australian soil. So... He had no interest. Right. Right. It wasn't... It wasn't worth... Let alone, I mean, like, let alone going into the girl's home. He just had never even been to Australia. So I mean, even after all of this happened, Gregory was, the, his son 
that he was offered to him and he didn't want him. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Now, then in this case, there's an unnamed salesman. So this unnamed salesman freaks me out so much. <laughs> and like, he's, he is definitely like one of my number ones up here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So he had all the feels for Susan Bartlett and he was like so into her. So what he did was basically enter the girl's home via Susan Bartlett's window. Because they had found a muddy footprint on her, her bed. bed. Yeah, on her bed. He also admitted that it was his intention to get Susan's phone number this way as he had romantic interest in her. So he's a psycho. Right. But he too never saw the blood bodies or heard the child. He just snuck into their home. And I mean, again, this further to my point that men are just not observant. <laughs> they get in, they get out. So he's he's a lucky bastard. He was cleared with, you know, DNA testing or whatever, if the DNA I mean, was I, even correct. Where did he even go in the house? He just went into the bedroom window and then left? I don't know. And like, why was he? I guess people used to write their phone number on the phone sort of thing. Yeah. But... Th- that's what he was doing instead of like asking a friend or something like it seems like breaking and entering is a pretty big leap when you've got a crush on someone yeah 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 i would not date you if you broke into my home to get my phone number just so everyone knows yeah that's a no-no that's no don't do it plus i you know i have a husband and stuff but if you're cute like you know message me no i'm just kidding (laughs) oh I love you, Cole. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So Steve Cox was another person who was considered a suspect. He was also cleared by DNA. He was kind of an interesting case, though. So he was a neighbor of the girls on Easy Street. And he was really transfixed on the murders. He actually created a few pieces of artwork around the murders. Now... Odd. Right. Now, John... uh, and. He was eventually cleared, like, you know, via DNA. Like everyone else. Like everybody else. The possible DNA that maybe it belonged to the killer. Maybe it didn't. So we don't know really if anybody's ever been cleared. Right. So good. But, yeah, he, you know, I I guess you kind of, as an artist, you take inspiration from what's around you. And if Murder. Yeah, like two young women were murdered next to him that maybe had an impact on him. And so he created some artwork. And I don't know. He's he's a little off. I think there was just a lot of freaky dudes who lived in this neighborhood. That's what I'm found, finding yeah, I'm at this point. Like, going to Melbourne, I guess. Exactly. I definitely be, would not be living on this street at any point. So then another guy who came up was John Grant. John Grant was a journalist in the 70s, and he was not only a suspect in the Easy Street murders, also the disappearance of a young woman named Julie garcia Selle. Her body has never been found, and he's still a suspect in that disappearance, but DNA cleared him on the Easy Street murders. Lucky. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Rule, another journalist, made a great point. The DNA used to clear all of the suspects, as we discussed earlier, not only was not accurate, was actually taken from a space near the body, not on the body. So, frankly, it could belong to anyone who had shared the bed with Suzanne Armstrong. To this day, the case is completely unsolved. 
And if you're interested in learning more, I would suggest Murder on Easy Street, a book by Helen Thomas. I, I'll link a, you know, I'll link it in the show notes. But it's just kind of crazy to me that they were never able to figure also, this out. Right. There were like, so they had a neighbor. Right. I don't remember her name, but she was awake. She didn't sleep well and she was kind of a nosy, nosy neighbor. So she would. She's like Poke the around. neighborhood watch lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she noticed in the wee hours of the morning, some man in their house frantically cleaning his hands, and it looked like he was cleaning clothing as well. Hmm. So she probably saw the murder. But So anyway, the police, she told this to the police, and yeah. they kind of brushed her it. off. Yeah, as like the crazy neighbor and or whatever. And then when they couldn't find any other leads, they went back to her, and they were like, okay, we'll take your statement now. And she was like, uh, No. Oh, my God. She was so upset with how rude they were to her the first time. Oh, my God. So nothing ever came of that. Oh, she my was God. Like, they never took, a, like, a sketch. Wow. Or anything. Wow. As for Gregory, little Gregory, he would go on to be adopted by Suzanne's sister and then raised in Australia. As his father did not want him. Right. Now, I just can't help but feel how affected by the tragedy he would be. I mean, even if he doesn't recall it in any way... Can you imagine, can you imagine, like, just knowing that you were in the house and right. then, like, basically left to die uh, while, after your mother had been murdered? Like, that's, that's crazy. It is. Apparently, he's unscathed. Yeah. Emotionally and yeah. by that. He was, he was able to kind of pull it together or whatever. I mean, and... he was 16 months old, so right, what right. memory do you really Again, have? Again, there was no, like, definite recall of it. It's just, I guess, hearing the details and thinking back on it or whatever, because I'm sure he's looked into it. Oh, know? I wouldn't want to at all. Really? I would. It would be, like, a morbid curiosity. I'd have to know. I guess I don't know if I would want to know or not. Uh, I, I wouldn't like want I wouldn't, to, but, but I would. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I wouldn't, but I would, so... And uh, just as a fun fact, <laughs> this home sold on June 2017 for over $1 million. And this, again, like, how do you guys do it in Australia? Because, like, your house prices are out of control. Seriously. Do you just, like, not own houses in Australia? Is that U.S. or is that Australian currency? It's, um, I mean, it was over a $1 million, like, U.S. currency. I mean, it's not a huge difference. No, no, definitely not. But it's, it's actually what they've done with it because they've obviously modified it and it is a very cute home so i can see that someone would love it but i don't know that i would spend over a million dollars on something that someone died in on a murder house yeah no not gonna do it not gonna do it yeah probably not you better give me that for a steal and then maybe i'll think about it right i'm not spending all of my money on a murder right 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 so that uh was the case of the murders on easy street i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed it a great deal what else do we got that's it. That's Nothing. it. That's okay. it for today. Cool. All right. Well, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The, the Real, Real Crime, Crime Podcast, Podcast. Uh, Facebook, The Real Crime Podcast page. That's it. Yeah. 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 And Patreon. you can, yeah, check out our Patreon. We're The Real Crime Podcast on Patreon. And you can subscribe to us and get early access to episodes. Um, if you are a Patreon, then you know you get early access to episodes, and that's pretty awesome. And then make sure you come and see us the weekend of April 8th, not April 6th, because that's not a weekend, and I keep getting it wrong. <laughs> and um, we'll be down in Atlantic City and uh, NJ HorrorCon 
and it should be a ball. We'll have some merch and everything, and bring we'll be us there. drinks. Yes, and I mean we'll be there. So like that's the best part. Clearly, clearly. Obviously. All right, take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye.